So today we are reading from Acts chapter 8, and I'm just covering the first 25 verses because there's kind of a, uh, a coherent story that's being told more or less there, and then we'll turn to the rest of the chapter tomorrow. So in the first 25 verses, we are um, further introduced to Paul, who's still named Saul at the moment, and we see that he was really instrumental in persecuting the Christians of the early church. Um, and, and the way Luke records it, that he's entering house after house, dragging off men and women committed to them uh, and, and committing them to prison, uh, we see that he, he he was, in a sense, taking this personally. He, he was not only just a devout Jew, he really was taking it personally to persecute these Christians. And then we see Philip uh, emerge, in a sense, from Stephen's ashes to become um, <clears throat> a minister of the word, and he begins to um, to teach and preach to the Samaritans here in in Samaria, and um, and we see we see as he's doing that, really the the main part of this chapter related to Simon, this magician, um, and so he's doing all sorts of magic, uh, and, and I, I can't really relate to that because I don't I'm not one that really believes in magic, but you know, perhaps at this time there was magic, and uh, or perhaps these he was trained in some kind of art of deception that was kind of a, you know, a, 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 almost a profession at this time. I don't know exactly, but but they, he was called a magician. And um, what I find interesting is that people could clearly differentiate between Philip's miracles <clears throat> and what Philip was doing and Simon. And that's clear from the text, and um, and it you know it illustrates that I, that that I think when people saw these miracles and saw what these disciples were teaching, it was kind of obvious, you know. So I think sometimes people are worried that when Jesus comes back, we're not going to recognize it. Um, if you're looking, I think it's going to be obvious. Uh, at any rate, um, what what uh, what I think is is really interesting though, and what really I want to camp out on for just a moment. Um, is that Simon could see the difference. So Simon asked to be baptized. And then Peter and John come down to Samaria and and come, I guess, in support of Philip to support the preaching and the teaching he's doing. And, and they're laying their hands on these believers who have been baptized. And Simon witnesses, in some way, shape, or form, he witnesses the Holy Spirit falling on these new disciples, these new followers of the way. Um, and and I love the interchange that we see uh, as this happens because Simon asks to pay for the power that Peter and John had in praying about the Holy Spirit descending on these people. <clears throat> and the reason I love this interchange is, is that what Simon is doing is really the same thing that most of us do or struggle with in our faith at some point in time. Uh, we we all tend to want to leverage God for our own benefit. Sometimes it's really obvious, like in Simon's case, um, where, where you know we're just trying to get the power so that we can do things so that people will look at us and, and people will, will see our power. But usually it's much more subtle. For, for instance, the, the person who, who lives according to God's will, who's a behavior, the person who behaves because they believe they're going to get extra protection from God. 
or the person who tithes because they believe in tithing, God's going to give them more money on the back end, or really just the fairness doctrine in general that, you know, fairness is a made up idea. And um, God never professes fairness, but there are people, and, 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 it's interesting. The different one of the differences between my wife and myself is fairness is a really big deal to her. She feels like if she behaves, everybody should behave. Um, and and all of these doctrines kind of fall along the same line of Simon's uh, mistake here. Um, if we pursue God for anything other than the relationship itself, we are really committing the same sin as Simon. So today I'm reminded that relationship is the reason to pursue God. It's the only reason to pursue God. The relationship is the reason for engaging God. The reward will, there, there will probably be rewards, sure. But in pursuing my wife and in pursuing friendships in my life, um, the journey reveals things about me. It shapes me, it grows me. But the, the reward um, in and of itself is the relationship. It's a great reminder from Simon that we should check our hearts and we should check our motivations as to why we're pursuing God, because it should be for the relationship, not for ancillary benefits that that often do come to us. 